they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to the Bible with the Barbers. Here. I must be too tall. <laughs> I'm too tall. Mr. Engineer, can you uh, adjust that, that camera? camera there? Thank there you. Sir. Go ahead. There we go. <laughs> Cut off Terry's head on us. We don't want to do that. that. Tall. Go ahead, Brett. <laughs> All right. We're going to start out here with reading the gospel of the day. We call it soul food. Soul food for the for today. Um, the gospel according to Mark, verse chapter 8, verses 14 through 21. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, um, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. Jesus enjoined them, watch out, guard against the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They concluded among themselves because it was because they had no bread. When he became aware of this, he said to them, why do you conclude that it is because you have no bread? Do you not understand or comprehend? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and not see and ears and not hear? Do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for 5,000? How many wicker baskets full of fragments you picked up? They answered, 12. (laughs) When I broke the seven loaves for 4,000, how many full baskets of fragments did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand the gospel of the Lord? Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, by the words of the Holy Gospel, may our sins be blotted out. Mary, before you go into this, Father Murr was just on our show, mm-hmm. and he talked, it kind of fits this gospel, he talked about the lack of understanding that that Jesus is God. Yeah. And, you know, the Gnosticism and how it's alive and well. And it almost looks like, Jesus is kind of frustrated that they're not believing. Right. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah. It's it's he he's done. The the, the disciples have seen all these signs by yeah. our Lord, yeah. and they're still totally rooted in the things of this earth. They haven't gotten it yet. You're not, they're not getting the spiritual perspective. They're not getting that eternal perspective that we have no finality in this world. That message is very profound for us today. It is profound for us today, and it seems to be the hardest message for every. Christian of every age to get, mm-hmm. that we have no finality in this world, that our finality is in heaven. You, what? You mean to tell me? Oh, she just, she yeah. just made a re- just, revelation yeah, really. to me. Broke, I'm joking. Broke his bubble. Broke you know? my <laughs> bubble. I thought we were going to, oh, I'm joking, honey. <laughs> yeah, we have here, oh, no gee, our perfect city. paradise. No, right? not no, here, baby. Not here. Our perfect okay. paradise isn't here. Uh, we're not looking for a perfect paradise here. Okay. As a matter of fact, there's only one tragedy in the world. Yes. Not to have become a saint. Who said that? That was written by Leon Bloy. That's Bishop Sheen quotes yeah. Bishop Sheen quotes it. And Leon Bloy actually had a very difficult time Great supporting suffering. his family. Yeah. And because of it, he saw his family uh, die of starvation. Oh, no, that's Because terrible. he couldn't pray. And he was trying. He did everything in his. And he said the only tragedy in the world is not to have become a saint. What, for him so, to say that? Yeah. To, wow. to accept all of these trials of life and to unite them with Jesus Christ crucified and to become a saint. They're only saints in heaven, people. What? You know, this isn't an option. How many want to be saints? Raise your hand, and everyone. Really, you know? Yay. Well, do y'all want to get to heaven? Yes. Yeah, we all want to get to heaven. So let's ask Jesus every day to get us ready to go to heaven. And remember, 
we don't have a finality in this world. We're not just living for this world. And so we want to have our focus on the Lord. And and what does it mean to be a saint practically in this world? It means to live in union with God. Am I asking the Lord every day, Lord, am I living in your will? Show me the ways that I'm not living in your will and give me the grace to correct me to correct myself and and to to cooperate with your grace so that I will be living in your will. So the apostles, they've just seen Jesus do this miracle where he feeds, you know, seven, 4,000 people on seven loaves. I noticed you use word miracle. Miracle. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Miracle. That that, was it. It was a miracle. Yeah. It wasn't just the generosity of the people. No, it wasn't just the generosity. I've heard someone say that. That's why I'm bringing it up. Right. And that's, and the deal is, so the, the apostles are in the boat, and Jesus mm-hmm. says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And he makes the distinction. Why is that? Two different leavens. Well, one, yeah. the Pharisees, the leaven of the Pharisees is the unbelief. Uh. Just before they got into this boat, if you remember yesterday's gospel, the Pharisees are asking him for a sign. Okay, what more sign do you want? He's already fed 5,000 people with five loaves. He's fed... 4,000 people with seven loaves. He's raised the dead. He's cured the lepers. He's cured the blind. He's cured the lame. What more sign do you want? (laughs) They don't want to believe. And so this is the leaven of the Pharisees, the refusal to believe the obvious presence of God at work here. I mean, at, at the very least, they've got to accept that this man is a prophet because God is working through him. The interesting thing about it, though, is the prophets always did miracles in God's name. Jesus isn't doing miracles in God's name. He's doing them in his own name. And he's forgiving sins and proving that he has the power to forgive sins. So the the leaven of the Pharisees, that unbelief, that refusal to believe and to accept Jesus Christ. And the leaven of Herod. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. Tell I was just going to ask you. Oh, good old Herod, you know? What was Herod's problem? Worldly ambition. Herod wanted to be the biggest king on the hill, he wanted the biggest kingdom. And he had found a woman who wanted the same. Only that woman was married to his brother, Philip. That's right. But for Herod, that's not a problem. I'm the king. I get to make the rules, right? So he's living with his brother Philip's wives. And not only is he living with his brother Philip's wife, he's allowing licentiousness in his court. He's living a licentious life. He's living a life of service of the flesh. No connection with service of God. He's not interested in serving in God. And this is the leaven of Herod. Are we allowing our flesh to dictate to us as it were? You know, if we give give rise to just kowtowing, to just pleasing the flesh, to just doing what the flesh wants, we become slaves. Mary, I, I'm seeing, I'm listening to this, and I'm saying this is really applying today in our church. Now, our bishops, the presidents of all the bishops' conferences are meeting with the Holy Father in Rome to help corrupt, help you know, correct, correct the corruption, hopefully. yeah, of the sexual misconduct of our yeah. clergy, right? And it seems like the readings that we have right now, they're there right now, reading the same readings we're reading yeah. in daily mass, right? And and we need to beg Pray. God that they will have the grace of the Holy Spirit to realize, you know, Jesus told in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, anyone who sins mm-hmm. is a slave of sin. And no slave has a permanent place in, his, in, the, master, in the father's household, in the father's household. And so if we allow ourselves to have sin in our life, if we make a compromise with sin, then we're a slave. 
to that sin. And then what is it? It's like, you know, the, the ring in the nose, right? You put the ring in the pig in the, no, the pig's yeah, nose so sure. that you can lead the pig around right. and he'll be obedient to you. Well, this is what sin does. It puts a ring in our nose and it le- our flesh leads us around and we're no longer free to follow God. And it's interesting because in terms of the sexual sins, St. Paul said, and he warned us, the immoral man sins against his own body. These men are degrading themselves first. This is, this is so offensive to God. God made us for greatness, for union with himself. And we are, are enslaving ourselves to the pleasures of the flesh and not rising above them with God's grace. Well, that's a great explanation with fornication, adultery, uh, same-sex, uh, you know, um, having sex with uh, homosexuals or right. uh, the uh, lesbians. That it's degrading the bo- themselves exactly. first. Exactly, we do. Now, I never hear anybody say that to them. I'm just being honest with you. Well, Saint Paul, the Bible said, says, immoral man sins against his own body. If you're looking at pornography, mm-hmm. you're sinning against your own body. Do you know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. Do you know that at baptism, God's Spirit came to dwell in you? You're supposed to keep the temple of God holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord our God, and he wants to live in us, but he cannot live in a dwelling place that is filled with filth, and sin fills us with filth. Mary, so if we don't believe that Jesus is God, then why would we believe in all the other moral teachings? So it seems to me, and I'm just giving you my take, that the idea of Jesus being God and man needs to be reaffirmed so that we can establish authority. Exactly. We need to. We need to get down on our knees and accept the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Savior and as God made man. Wow. And the word became flesh yes. and dwelt among us. This is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. Mm-hmm. We really do believe that, the, that, that, first of all, that God is a trinity. Right. He's not a solitude unto himself. He's a unity of persons in one Godhead. There's only one Godhead, but there are three persons in that Godhead. As Pope John Paul II said, God is the original family. For in God, there is fatherhood, there is sonship, and the essence of the family, which is love. The Holy Spirit binding the Father and the Son together in love. But there's three distinct persons. And the second person, the Son of God, really became man. And we believe, this is what we as Christians believe, that the Son of God really became man and really lived on this earth. And he didn't just become man for the time that he was living on the earth, that he remains the God-man in heaven in his glorified state, that his passion is forever, that when the Father looks upon him, he still sees the scars that Jesus received in his passion in order to free us from sin and death. Well, smoke that one, man. That's a meditation right there. It is. It is. Do we think about this at Mass? You know, the victim who immolated himself is now no longer dying, but he lives for all eternity, Mm. that act of immolated love. It never ends. The Lamb in heaven still bears his scars. Yes, his scars are glorified, but he still bears his scars. When the Father looks upon the Son, he still sees him on the cross. He will never not see him on the cross. Wow. Yeah. It, 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 wake up. Wake up. I think I need another cup of coffee. That <laughs> was <laughs> You set me up for that one. Hey, get yourself another cup of coffee or tea. We're talking about the, the gospel of Mark. 
And we're having fun doing it, too. This is exciting. So uh, we'll come right back and continue the Bible study. But don't forget, Mary has a Bible study at 7 p.m. at the Sacred Heart Chapel tonight. Come there. That'd be great. We'll be right back. This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now are saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151. That's June 15th. When your husband comes back from this conference or your son, they're going to have a different view about their Catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love Jesus and his bride, the church, and are going to instill in them a love for Christ and his church, the Eucharist, Our Lady. Bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Sign up there or call 877-526-2151. Full sheen ahead. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. We're back here with the Bible with the Barbers, and uh, we're looking. I want to follow up a little. Last yes. week we stopped. We, we ended with Mark 10.21, and it was the young man had come oh, to yeah. Jesus and asked about, what must I do to be perfect, to inherit Great earth? question. Yeah, and, and the deal is... In reading the commentary here in the Navarre Bible commentary, they have some quotes here from St. John Paul II, um, homily that he gave in Boston Commons. And so that was in Boston here in the United States. 1979. And I want to I read some of this because it just the, the reality of the young man and his question, and how does that apply to us? In its precise eloquence, this deeply penetrating event expresses a great lesson in a few words. It touches upon substantial problems and basic questions that have in no way lost their relevance. 
everywhere. Young people are asking important questions, questions on the meaning of life, on the right way to live, on the scale of values. What must I do? What must I do to share an everlasting life? To each one of you, I say, therefore, heed the call of Christ when you hear him saying to you, follow me. Walk in my path, stand by my side, remain in my love. There is a choice to be made, a choice for Christ and his way of life and his commandment of love. The message of love that Christ brought is always important, always relevant. It is not difficult to see how today's world, despite its beauty and grandeur, despite the consequences the conquests of science and technology, despite the refined and abundant material goods that it offers, is yearning for more truth, for more love, Mm. for more joy. And all of this is found in Christ and his way of life. Faced with the problems and disappointments, many people will try to escape from their responsibilities. Oh, nobody in our world is trying to escape from their responsibilities. He's nailing it, Mom. And what does he say? Escape in selfishness. Escape in sexual pleasure. Escape in drugs. Escape in violence. Escape in indifference. Escape in cynical attitudes. These are all escapes, Pope John Paul II is telling us. They're all escapes. But today I propose to you the option of love, which is the opposite of escape. If you really accept the love from Christ, it will lead you to God. Perhaps in the priesthood or religious life, perhaps in some special service to your brothers and sisters, especially to the needy, the poor, the lonely, the abandoned, those whose rights have been trampled upon, or those whose basic needs have not been provided for, Whatever you make of your life, let it be something that reflects the love of Christ. And then Pope John Paul II goes on. Mm -hmm. Because what happens, the young man we read last week, he goes away sad because his possessions are many. Many possessions. possessions. And what's the problem here? I mean, isn't that what the world is looking for? This guy was rich. I thought it was the guy that had the most toys wins. Yeah, there you go. That's the world. There you go. And and the more I have, the happier I'm going to be. Nope. The sadness of the young man makes us reflect. We could be tempted to think that many possessions, many of the goods of this world can bring happiness. We see instead, in the case of the young man in the gospel, that his many possessions had become an obstacle to accepting the call of Jesus to follow him. He was not ready to say yes to Jesus and no to self. To say yes to love and no to escape. Real love is demanding. I would fail in my mission if I did not clearly tell you so. For it was Jesus, Jesus himself who said, You are my friends if you do what I command you. Love demands effort and a personal commitment to the will of God. It means discipline and sacrifice, but it also means joy and human fulfillment. And he goes on, dear young people, do not be afraid of honest effort and honest work. Do not be afraid of the truth. 
With Christ's help and through prayer, you can answer his call, resisting temptations and fads and every form of mass manipulation. Open your hearts to the Christ of the gospel, to his love and his truth and his joy. Do not go away sad. Follow Christ. You who are married, share your love and your burdens with each other. Respect the human dignity of your spouse. Accept joyfully the life that God gives through you. Be open to life. You know, we don't reject life. Make your marriage stable and secure for your children's sake. Follow Christ. You who are single or are preparing for marriage, follow Christ. You who are young or old, follow Christ. You who are sick or aging, who are suffering or in pain. You who feel the need for healing, the need for love, the need for a friend, follow Christ. To all of you I extend in the name of Christ, the call, the invitation, the plea. Come, follow me. Powerful witness. I just summarize it with what Bishop Sheen said. The only value in saying yes to God is you have the freedom to say no. Like that young man, exactly. he could say no. Exactly. And so I want to encourage all of us, especially us parents that are listening right now, to pray for our children. Amen. Amen. Pray that they will have the grace to say yes to Christ Amen. in the world we're living in today. Amen. Amen. And mom and dad, we can earn that grace. Yes, we can. We can pray for them. Renew their baptismal vows. Pray for them every day. Pray to their angels. Ask their angels to protect them. You know, it's interesting. I had an app listener question Mm -hmm. this week, and it was about, well, doesn't, I mean, God's our good father. Doesn't he protect us all? Mm -hmm. You know, God is there, and yes, he will protect us, but are we asking him for protection? Are we turning to him in love? Or are we just, you know, God's not going to be used. He's not a good luck charm. (laughs) It's not superstition. It's not like, okay, God, you know, I'll go about my life. And then when I'm in need, I'll turn to you. No. And one of the things you've, you and I have been saying for years, to get to that point, you have to ask for stronger faith every day. Because this doesn't come automatically that you're strong in your faith. No, it doesn't. It's a grace. It's a grace. And you have to ask each day. Right. And I want to ask you, if you're driving, don't raise your hand. But if you're not <laughs> driving, raise your hand if you're willing to start today. By asking Jesus Christ to increase your faith every day, and your faith will grow by doing that. Amen. And if if you don't have the gift of faith, if you don't feel like you believe, get down on your knees and ask Jesus for that grace. I, we knew a young sister. Oh yeah. Who we met, and she said she was at a class in college, a Catholic college. Beautiful. And story. the professor said one day, if you want the gift of faith, ask for it. And she she went immediately from class. She ran to the church. She got down on her knees before Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. And she said, Jesus, I want the gift of faith. And she received it. And she became strong in her faith to the point where she felt a call to give herself to Christ as his bride, as a religious sister, that she would belong totally to Christ and serve his people freely as a sister. And this is, you know, in baptism, we receive the gifts of faith, hope, and charity, the the theological gifts. But you know what? They're gifts, Mm. and they can be lost. So every day we need to pray for an increase in the gifts of faith, hope, and charity. And the work of faith is prayer. Pray every day and ask God for more faith. The work of hope is mortification. 
ask the Lord to show you the ways in which you need to mortify yourself. And it's not just physical mortification in the sense of our what we eat, okay, or what we're drinking. It could be mortification of our minds, of could our we, thoughts. Could we call that the custody of the eyes? The custody of the eyes, the custody of the ears, the custody of our thoughts. Are we allowing our thoughts to wander anywhere they want and we're not checking them? Are we making up all kinds of, um, are we writing all kinds of novels in our head that we never write down? <laughs> and we're living a vicarious life that's not even related to the reality in which we live. It sounds to me like we're asking all of us, including you and I, to do an examination of conscience. Absolutely. So that we can be better the next day. That's right. We want to get better every day. Mm -hmm. And then the work of charity is almsgiving. Mm -hmm. Don't pass by the poor without giving. Now, that doesn't mean you have to give to every beggar that asks, but we should be giving to the poor every day. And you know, you might not be able to give something to every homeless person you see, but you can say a prayer for every homeless person that you That's see. Right. And we can pray for the, the, the local communities will get together and work to help the homeless. I remember... Years ago, when the AIDS crisis broke, I was still in San Francisco going to school there. And I heard nurses, because I was in school, and I heard nurses talking. They're saying, I'm not going to go near that patient. I'm not going to, that person has AIDS. And I thought, oh, I thought, God, please, you need to send someone who's going to take these patients in and take care of them. And you know what? Mother Teresa of Calcutta showed up with her sisters. Yep. And they opened up AIDS shelters in San Francisco, and they took in those patients. And you know what they showed them? They showed those patients that they were loved by God. That no, what, no matter what your sins are of the past, if you turn to the Lord in trust, he forgives all your sins. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. And make something beautiful of my life. And he accepts you. He forgives you. Remember, we need to ask. But these, these people asked. And many of them, Father McGuire said, many of them were dying as saints. And what did it mean to die as a saint? Well, Kenny, one of them, he said to Mother Teresa before he died, he said, Mother, I always have a headache, and I think of Jesus crowned with thorns. I, my back is never without pain, and I think of Jesus scourged. And this was it. Everything in his life, he was in pain. His whole body was in pain. He was dying of AIDS, and yet everything was turned over to the Lord Jesus. Everything was united to Jesus in his suffering. This is what it means to be a saint. Right. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mother Teresa sure had a lot of caring there. She did. And she showed people how much they were loved by Jesus. And that, again, what St. John Paul II said, this young man who was very wealthy and loved his possessions, he went away sad because he couldn't accept that invitation to give up his earthly wealth in order to gain the wealth of heaven, to gain union with Christ, union with God. Well said. I want to remind everybody, Gary Machuda is coming to the Sacred Heart Chapel tomorrow at 7 p.m. doing an apologetics course. But he told me at the last hour that he and his wife are going to join you tonight for the Bible study. Oh, fun. So if you can't, you want to meet Gary? Come to my wife's Bible study. There you go. Come on down, everybody. Yeah. And don't forget, also on Thursdays, for those who don't want to go out at night, yes. uh, maybe because your vision's not as well as yeah. good, so go ahead and come on Tuesday, um, Thursdays at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. There's a Bible study. As a matter of fact, I'll just make a pitch. If you want, you want to come to Holy Mass, come at noon for Mass. Uh, Monsignor, is that true? Oh, that's tomorrow. No, that's sorry. Wednesday. Sorry. Thursday, come at 1 o'clock. I got confused on my days. That's what happens when I do three shows in a row. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Mary Danielle, I just want to ask our folks who listen to this Bible study, to tell their friends, because so many Catholics tell me, 
What do we have for Bible studies at our parish? Absolutely. Well, on the internet, now you can get this on a podcast anytime, 24-7. Old shows you can get, new shows, they're always coming up each week. So I just want to tell you to share that with your friends, all the shows here at Virgin Most Powerful. And I want to also thank you for your donations to help us continue the work of Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or you could call 877-526-2151. We'll be back with more Gospel of Mark. If you're a listener to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, you already know about Hands-On Apologetics with Master Apologist Gary Machuda. And if you're a fan of Hands-On Apologetics, then we have some exciting news for you. This February, Sensei Gary will be leaving the Apologetics Dojo in Michigan to visit the Virgin Most Powerful Radio World Headquarters in Covina, California. And if you'll be in Southern California this February, we have more exciting news for you. Not only will Gary be doing his live show from our Virgin Most Powerful Radio studio, but he will be giving a live presentation on February 20th at 7 p.m. right here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. That's Gary Machuda speaking live on the topic of Breaking the Bible Barrier, Why Catholic Appeals to the Bible Fail, and How to Make Them Successful. For more information, call 877-526-2151 or visit virginmostpowerfulradio.org. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Well, welcome back, and thank you, Jesse, for <laughs> introducing here the, the Bible with the Barbers. We, we enjoy this, and we hope we you enjoy do. it, too. Now, Jesus, after the young man went away sad, he tells his apostles how hard it will be for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of heaven. And, of course, for the Jews, that seemed kind of strange because they thought that anyone who had riches had been blessed by God. The more material be- wealth you had, that meant the more you were blessed by God. So it's like, well, if you've been blessed by God, how can you, how can it be hard to get into heaven? And so Jesus tells them, he said, it will be hard for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. 
It's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And it's interesting about that eye of the needle. In the Gospel of Luke, the word that Luke uses there is a surgeon's needle. It's not, it's not something we can do if we try really hard. Right. It's impossible. For man, it is impossible. And the apostles are like, well, then who can be saved? And, he, and Jesus tells them, with man, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible to God. And here's the deal. We don't make ourselves saints. We're not going to become saints because I pulled myself. It's not the American dream. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I worked so hard that I earned this and I got it. No, that is a free unmerited life, first of all, is a free unmerited gift. We didn't do anything to earn our our right to life, Mm -hmm. but we have it because God gives it. And every human being has that right because it's given by God. And therefore it's guarded, safeguarded by God. And when we violate that by unjustly killing an innocent human being, we are violating God's law. God is the arbiter of life. He's the one who gives life and takes life. That's not up to us to decide. And just to make a note, the number one cause in the world for for, for people dying is abortion. It's abortion. You know, and it's so sad to have to say that because this is new life. And, and it seems so sad because what's recently gone on in New York and other states, Vermont, where they're wanting to uh, kill these babies right up to the birth time. Right, and, you know, right. It, it just seems so sad. And I guess my question to you, Mary, from the Bible, reading the Bible, that how can people be so blinded to see that this is human life, that it's not? How can they, how can they justify that? You know, I wonder, right. and the only thing I can think of is, again, coming back down to the authority of who God is. God is not someone who tells me what I should do or what I shouldn't do. I decide on that. And and again, it's the temptation that Adam and Eve had. In there you the, go. It goes in the, way back. Right. In in the garden, because that was what Satan said. Oh, oh no, 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 no. You won't die. You'll become like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, not knowing. You're the one who'll get to decide what's good and evil. Yeah. No. God made the world as he made it. To accept God and to follow God is good. To reject God and to not follow him is evil. And I've heard people say, oh, well, God made everything, so he made sin. No, God did not make sin because sin is not a creation. Sin is the rejection of God and his goodness. Sin is the re- God made us, and he gave us the Ten Commandments to tell us. <laughs> it, it's like the owner's manual. Yeah. You know, this is what's going to bring you happiness. That's right. This is what will bring you into union with myself. This is what... If you do these things, if you keep these commandments, then my grace can come into your life and sanctify you. Bishop Sheen said it this way. There's a song they sing in heaven. I did it his way. His way. And there's a song they sing in hell. I did it my, my way. way. So that's basically what we're saying. We want to, we want to encourage everyone, right. our politicians, every single soul on the face of the earth to embrace Jesus Christ. And do it his way. Yep. Reject my way when my way is against God's way. And that's the deal here. We get attached to the things of this world. And, you know, children call for sacrifice. Mm -hmm. They call us to live an austere life, to to share with others. What what if God blesses you with 12? And he doesn't bless everyone with big families, you know. That's true. Terry and I got married when we were 32, and I was... I'm the 10th of 12 children that lived. I'm the 12th of 14 pregnancies. Mm -hmm. My mother had two babies that died. 
And I just thought, oh, you just get married and have 12 kids. I mean, not quite necessarily 12. I mean, my three older brothers had eight children each. My younger brother had nine. And I just thought, thought, oh, you get married and have a bunch of kids, you know. And I got married and it was like, okay, the first baby came 10 months after we were married. And I thought, this is great, you know. She was two years old. And as far as I knew, I wasn't pregnant. And I looked at Terry one day and I said, honey, I, I maybe this is it. Maybe God's <laughs> not going to bless us with any more children. We didn't do anything to, you know, thwart the possibility of life. And it was, she was two years and nine months old when our next child, Joseph, was born. And then, then after Joseph, well, 20 months later, our, our daughter came. And I thought, oh, now we're going to have a big family. But again, she was two years and nine months old before the next child was born. And the next two pregnancies, I miscarried the last two. Mm-hmm. And that's all. I mean, God, that was it. And it was like, oh, I guess, you know, you don't just get married and have 12 kids, you know. <laughs> but, but that's, children are a blessing from the Lord. They're a gift from God. And, you know, they teach us about ourselves. When we have to deal with the children, we have to learn that, you know, maybe I'm a little prouder than I thought I was. Maybe I'm a little lazier than I thought I was. Maybe I'm a little more attached to my own self and my own ideas and my own comfort or my own way of living. You know, I, before I'm married, I can spend all my money on myself. And all of a sudden now I have a child and the child gets sick or the child has needs. And it's like, oh, Oh, wait a minute. You mean I have to support them until they're 18 years old and they're able to support themselves? Yeah, yeah. It, it calls for sacrifice, but it's beautiful and it's good. God loves us. He shares everything he made with us. All the good things of this world were made by God for our enjoyment and for our good, but to bring us closer to him. He made all these good things to show us how good he is so that we would be attracted to him. But what happens? We get lost in the creation and we forget about the creator. And so we cling to the things of the creation and we start to crave, you know, amassment of the wealth of the world. And this is the danger here. Jesus is saying that you won't make it to heaven if you do this. You need to give up your attachment to the things of this world and turn to the Lord and live in his presence and live according to his will. And, you know, if God has given us more than we need of this world's goods, He's given them so that we can share them with our neighbor. Also, Danielle, in the last hundred years, we've seen more, you know, in, uh, in development of material goods yeah. than the previous thousand years. Right, right. And so we now take for granted running water, electricity, yeah. plumbing, all those things, and what I call disposable income that uh, right. even with the economy booming, even when it was tough, people were spending money on things that – you know, whether they needed them or they wanted them. And so it seems like our culture is based on uh, the economy is, uh, you know, they're going to try and sell you that you need it, you you know, and you want this because uh, it been here are the benefits of of having this tool at your house or this um, car that you're going to get. And it's overwhelming because never before have we had to deal with such luxury items. It is luxury. That before weren't even on the radar screen. Right. They weren't even available. They weren't even available. And that's, the deal is we need to remember that these things are all a gift. And you know, it's interesting because a lot of these luxury items have given us extra time. That's right. What are we doing with that time? Great are question. we using that time to praise the Lord and serve the Lord? Just like when God gives us more than we need of this world's goods yeah. and so that we can um, serve those who have less, God also gives us time to be able to serve our neighbor. Or are we just filling up that extra time? I mean, you know, it used to be that 
you had to go out and cut your wood and build your fire. You had to grow your own food. It's true. You you had to carry your water oftentimes or pump it from a well, mm-hmm. and then you, which meant you had to sink a well and keep it keep it upkeep that well. Mm-hmm. You know all of the trials that you struggles that it took a lot more time to do anything, and you didn't have extra time. But is that extra time just for us to be entertained? Is it just for us to go to sports events? Or is that extra time for us to spend in prayer with the Lord, to give him glory, and to go out and look for those who need our service and to serve them? How are we using our time, our talents, our money, our material goods? Are we using them to serve the Lord and to build up his kingdom here on earth? Or are we using them for our own self? Are we deciding what's right and wrong and saying, well, you know, I'm rich. God gave me all these goods. Obviously, I'm blessed by God, like the the apostles. Well, how, what do you mean the rich can't get to heaven because they're, because aren't you blessing them with those riches? Well, yeah, I'm blessing them with those riches, but so that they can serve. And are we using them to serve or are we deciding that, you know what, it's my riches. I can do with it whatever I want. And there's a certain truth to that. But are we willing to serve? Are we willing to let go of our riches? Because if, if not, then we're slaves to them. We can become slaves to the things. Bishop Sheen, his life is worth living that both of us have heard a hundred times or more. He says, go out and help your neighbor. Yeah. And uh, who is your neighbor? The person that's in need. In need, yeah. He had a, a beautiful poem, you know. I sought my God, but my God I could not see. I sought myself, but myself eluded me. I sought my neighbor, and I found all three. <laughs> so, we, so beautiful. And, and that's what Mother Teresa, you know, Mother Teresa said, that because she saw Jesus in the Eucharist, yeah. she could see him and serve him in her neighbor. And so she found Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, and then she went out, and she, out of her love, her overflowing love for the Lord, she saw him and the people around her, and she served the ones who were the most abandoned, mm. the ones who were considered throwaway. That's who Mother Teresa went to serve first. Literally, oh. these people were thrown away. Some of them, they were, they were old and they were dying, and so their family members threw them out on a garbage heap to die. Mary, didn't Mother Teresa tell the story about the dying person and Mother talked to him about Jesus? And what was their response? It's a beautiful dialogue. Well, there was, a, there was one woman in particular that she, she met, and this woman, you know, she was suffering tremendously. And Mother said, oh, she said, but these, these sufferings are Jesus' kisses. And the woman said to Mother, Mother, would you please ask Jesus to stop kissing me? <laughs> you know, suffering is real. Yeah. It's not, we don't have to pretend that, oh, you know, this is wonderful. It's real. And we can say that to the Lord. And, but mother, and she didn't, she didn't talk about Jesus first. She told Bishop Sheen, you know, Bishop Sheen asked her, what do you say to these, these people? How do you evangelize them? And she said, well, I don't say anything at first. I love them. Mm. First, I love them. And then I asked them if they know Jesus. And people would say to her, yeah. Jesus, who, who's Jesus? Is he anything like, are you, is he anything like you? And she'd say, no, but I try to be like him. And then they would say, yes, mother, we want to know Jesus. That's a great way to evangelize. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You're listening to the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We come back for our last segment. We'll finish up uh, our readings from the Gospel of St. Mark. Don't turn that down, but get yourself another cup of tea or coffee.
This is Terry Barber inviting you, all the men, to a men's conference June 15th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. This is going to be a day where we're going to talk about true masculinity. You know, there's a problem in the Catholic Church today. We have very few men who love the Catholic faith. And I know a lot of the wives that I'm listening to right now saying, I want my husband to be on fire for the faith. Send him to the men's conference. Your son, send him to the men's conference by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151. That's June 15th. When your husband comes back from this conference or your son, they're going to have a different view about their Catholic faith because they're going to meet three men who love Jesus and his bride, the church, and are going to instill in them a love for Christ and his church, the Eucharist, Our Lady. Bring them to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Sign up there or call 877-526-2151. Full sheen ahead. It is only because of your continued prayers and generous donations that Virgin Most Powerful Radio can broadcast live each weekday. We count on your spiritual and financial support because you understand the urgent need for Catholic programming that shares the gospel with clarity and charity, but without compromise. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly donor. You can set it up with the touch of a button on our website, catholicrc.org. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment... Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back now, and we're going to move on here. So Peter, in response to Jesus's, you know, for man it is impossible, but for God all things are possible. He's like, well, wait a minute, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus tells him, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers and sisters or father and mother or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. But many that are first will be last and the last will be first. So Jesus isn't telling us that it's all going to be easy to follow him. We will suffer persecution. You mean without Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday? Exactly. Exactly. Mr. Sheen got that right. Yes, he did. It's Jesus came. He didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. Mm-hmm. And if we follow him, we too will be persecuted the way he was persecuted. Mm-hmm. He was God made man. He came to bring the love of God. He was the love of God incarnate. And still people rejected him. And his followers will experience the same thing. But we're not supposed to return hatred for hatred. We're supposed to return love. As St. Maximilian Colby said, he said, love alone creates. And that's we have the Father Colby missionaries here in, in West Covina, California, on Merced. And they, um, they promote the work of St. Maximilian Colby. And this 
reality that we need to love and we need to be united to Jesus and Mary mm-hmm. and bring the love of God to the world. And so after this, then, and then he says the last will be first and the first will be last. So we're not, we're not striving for positions of power in the church. We're not striving to be the first. We're striving to serve. And the priesthood, the papacy, the cardinalate, the bishops, this isn't about power. These men are there to serve. They're there to bring the sacraments to the faithful. They're there to bring, to be dispensers of the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God. And we need to pray for our priests and our bishops and our Holy Father and the cardinals. We need to pray diligently for them that they will be faithful. They're called to live a life of unique identification with Jesus Christ crucified. That's hard. It's hard. You know, all of us know how hard it is to suffer and how our body rebels. And it's like, Lord, yeah, I'm willing to follow you. And then things get tough. And it's like, oh, I didn't know you meant that, Lord. Wait a minute. You know, Mm -hmm. the living sacrifices can crawl off the altar. We need to pray for our priests that they won't crawl off the altar and they will be living sacrifices and that they're willing to suffer like Christ did. And I might add, Pope Francis did say that at the beginning of the pontificate of his, they don't look at this as uh, a career, you know, And I have to say, after 40 years of being involved in apostolic work, talking to priests, unfortunately, that's been a a challenge in the church because a lot of guys get ordained and they want to be a monsignor and then they want to be a a bishop and they want to be the archbishop and they want to be a cardinal and for all the wrong reasons. And so I think what we're talking about, a biblical worldview of our calling as is really a service, even yeah. not just clergy, but you, wife and mother, right. me, husband and father to our children. Right. Service. Service. We're here to serve one another, to build up the kingdom of God, to give praise to the glory of God, that his kingdom would come, that his will be done. This is our constant, mm-hmm. constant prayer. Every prayer we say should be modeled after the Our Father. Mm-hmm. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And how, what are we supposed to ask for? Give us this day our daily bread. Not just the physical bread, but our super substantial bread, mm-hmm. the Eucharist. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. We need to forgive those who hurt us. That's the way we're asking to be forgiven. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Actually, that's an actual petition. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says that deliver us from evil is actually a petition specifically to be delivered from the power of the devil. Off the air, we talked about the great need for Eucharistic adoration. And I think with our presidents of the bishops' conferences from all around the world meeting in Rome right now, I'm going to make a suggestion, I hope you would concur on this, that we have our listeners make a special holy hour for the intention of our church's leaders to really come out of this conference that they're going to be having right now that's happening with a clear approach to cleaning up the corruption, especially the sexual misconduct of the clergy. And and I think that if everyone prays before our Eucharistic king, that's going to be probably the greatest thing we could do. Would you agree? Amen. Amen. We need to make Eucharistic holy hours and beg Jesus, beg Jesus to touch the hearts of the bishops. Can I invite everybody Thursday at 7 p.m. at the Sacred Heart Chapel? Absolutely. Well, that's where my wife and I and many others 
pray for our Pope, for our bishops, for our clergy, because, think about this, Holy Thursday is when Jesus instituted the priesthood, the Eucharist. So what do we do on Thursdays from 7 to 9? Come on and join the Bible with the barbers, yeah, and many others at the Sacred Heart Chapel to pray pray for priests. priests. Amen. Before Jesus in the Eucharist. Yep. To adore Jesus and to pray for priests. Mm -hmm. Amen. So then after this, the last will be first and the first will be last. Jesus makes the third prophecy of his passion. He's telling his apostles, we're going up to Jerusalem, and I will be delivered into the hands of the chief priests and the elders, and they will going to turn me over to the Gentiles, and they're going to mock me, and they're going to spit on me, and they're going to scourge me, and they're going to kill me, but I will rise again. And so Jesus didn't come to live a comfortable life. He didn't come to seek riches of this earth. He came to free us from sin and to bring us back to union with God. Adam and Eve had sinned. They had turned away from God, and God promised them he would send a Messiah. The Messiah has come. Jesus has come to return us to the Father, to restore the place of the Father in our hearts and in our lives. And so and it just he's talking about his passion. Don't seek the riches of this earth. You're going to have to suffer. You're going to be persecuted, but I'm with you, and I've done all this before you. And what happens in verses 35 and following right away? James and, jo- James and John, God bless them, the sons of Zebedee come up and they said, Lord, can we sit at your right hand and your left in your kingdom? <laughs> it's like, I love that. Oh, you know, he just told them he's going to have to suffer and die. Yeah. And they're, they're not getting it. They're not. And yet, you know, he, he, he says to him, he says, okay, here's the deal. I have a baptism with which to be baptized. And, and um, are, are you going to drink the chalice that I drink? Are you willing to suffer with me? Mm. And, of course, they don't know fully what that means. But they're, oh, of course, of course, Lord, anything. You know, we're going to follow. We're following you now. We'll follow you anywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, really? it's easy to say that, you know, until the suffering comes. Yeah. And so Jesus tells him, he says, you know what? The cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized with. They would be martyred other than John was, well, they tried to martyr John. He didn't die of martyrdom. <laughs> they boiled him in oil. <laughs> they exiled him to Patmos. You know, but he stood at the foot of the cross with Our Lady. He stood there and he watched Jesus die in his passion. He stuck with him because he went and got the Blessed Mother. And he was faithful. And the others had run away. They all died martyrs. So all of them would die martyrdom. They would all shed their blood for Christ, except for Judas, who betrayed him, who then went out and hung himself. And Jesus said, it would be better for the son of perdition if he had never been born. Those were the words of Jesus Christ about Judas. That's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. I don't think you could get any more strong. He said it would have been better for him if he had never been born. But the others would suffer with Jesus, and they would. But again, don't be like the Gentiles where the great ones lorded over them, but it shall not be like that among you. He says, the one, you must be a servant. Whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. For the son of man also came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this is it again. Always, always. The example is Jesus. We're trying to follow the Lord. And he didn't come to draw attention to himself, to make himself first, to set himself up as a king that everybody would, you know, 
oh, this is our king and he's going to feed us and take care of us and make everything on earth perfect again and make the Jews the the rulers of the world. No, that wasn't the idea. Mm -hmm. He was coming to fulfill what God had intended from the beginning. And what God intended from the beginning is that we would live in union with him free from sin, that we would live lives free from sin. Mm -hmm. And this is what the saints experienced. You know, when the saints reach transforming union, and that's all of us are called to that, and it can be reached here on earth. It's not just in heaven. We're called to live transforming union on earth. And when they get to that point in the spiritual life, they're no longer capable of sinning. They're like our blessed mother in that, that they have come to such a love for God that they are incapable of being drawn away from God by the things of this earth. Now, not all the saints knew that clearly. Many of them, even when they had reached transforming union, Jesus did not take away from them their fear of falling into mortal yeah, sin. St. Alphonsus Liguori is a good example of that. Padre Pio was another one. Yep. And so it, it's not about what we feel, okay? It's about that act of the will to live in union with God and that perfect trust. St. Faustina, Jesus revealed to St. Faustina, it is lack of trust more than sin that keeps people from being saints. Jesus Christ came to save sinners. It doesn't matter what sins we've committed. Jesus Christ wants to save us. And believe me, you know, if you're walking the path of union with God and striving to live in union with God, the world, the flesh, and the devil are going to tell you, you know, you can't do it. Look at all your sins. Look at your past. You are so miserable. Mm -hmm. And Father Calloway had that experience once. Mm -hmm. He was praying to the Blessed Mother, and he said, Blessed Mother, I'm so wretched. I'm so miserable. I'm so ugly. I've done so many horrible things. And he had this sense that the Blessed Mother was saying to him, Donald, let me love you. Mm. Let me love you, and my love will transform you. And, of course, the love the Blessed Mother has for us is the love that God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that her Son, Jesus Christ, the God-man, has for us. And so that love will transform us, and that's what we need. We need to let his love, that's what St. John Paul II is saying, Don't be afraid to let his love into your heart. Allow his love to change you and transform you, to free you from your attachment to sin, to free you from your attachment to the things of this world. And each of us, we ask this every day, humbly. And every time we fall down, it's not about whether or not we fell. Did we get up again? Did we turn back to the Lord and say, Lord, I want you. I don't want the sin. I renounce the sin, and I want you, Lord. Well said, Hey, I can't believe it. There's the music. Mary Danielle will be at the Sacred Heart Chapel tonight, 7 p.m. with Gary Machuda and his wife will be there. I'm going to do my best to be there. We want to pray our rosary before the the, um, Bible study, study, which is always a good idea. Amen. So we want to welcome you at 7 p.m. at the Sacred Heart Chapel. If you can't go out at night on Thursday at 1 o'clock, we do it again. There you go. And I want to thank you for your support for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We're at the Bible with the Barbers. And I want to ask you, if you haven't had a chance to make a donation, you can go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, or you could call us at 877-526-2151. We want to thank you in advance. May God richly bless you and your family. Amen. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests Oh, my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, 
give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.